Welcome to the Careers at ICE podcast. This podcast highlights career opportunities at U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement, the hiring process, and how to put your best foot forward. Today we'll learn about getting through the ICE security process. I'm joined by Mr. John Schwink, who is the Division Chief for Personal Security in ICE's Office of Professional Responsibility. John and I will discuss the pre-employment personnel security process that all ICE applicants must undergo to determine if they have suitability and or security issues that would not promote the integrity and efficiency of the agency. All federal applicants require suitability determinations and depending on the duties and sensitivity of the position may require national security eligibility and national security access determinations. Let's get the conversation started. Thanks for joining me today, John. First, tell me about the Office of Professional Responsibility, Personnel Security Unit, and its role here at ICE. Sure. Uh, first of all, thank you for having me today. Um, we at OPR are definitely trying to uh, become a much more transparent organization and uh, pull back the curtain on our procedures and our processes, so this is a great opportunity. Um, first, we are a part of the OPR multi-layered um, organizational structure to, in, uh, to uh, ensure that we um, ensure the integrity of the organization. Um, that is done through security, inspections, and investigations. We are a part of the security um, division, and we are responsible for ensuring that individuals that come as an applicant, employee, or a contractor um, are trustworthy, honest, reliable, and we do that through what is called a risk-based approach. When we look at people's forms, we look at their criminal histories, financials, and others that I know we'll get into. So. Um, we are one of the uh, approaches that OPR utilizes as a tool um, to ensure, again, the efficiency and integrity of ICE is maintained. As you know, to get through the ICE security process, the federal government requires applicants to undergo extensive background checks. Can you describe to our listeners what that process entails? Sure. So every applicant, uh, whether you're a federal or contractor, must go through the personnel security unit prior to you receiving either an entry on duty date from the Office of Human Capital or through your contracting officer representative if you are a contractor. Um, the first step, however, though, which I do think the audience will want to know about is the fact that we check for what is known as reciprocity. This means that we actually will go out to repositories and look to see if an individual has a current background investigation or uh, a current security clearance that we can utilize here at ICE to bring the individual on in a much timely manner. Um, this also saves the agency money uh, for the simple fact we do not have to do a background investigation on the individual. Um, if an individual does meet the reciprocity requirements, we immediately notify the Office of Human Capital uh, that the individual has been cleared by the Personnel Security Unit and then uh, as well the contracting officer representative should it be a contractor. Um, this will allow the individual to begin work prior to a background investigation being conducted. However, should the individual not meet reciprocity, then this is where most of probably the audience is going to fall into, um, where they actually then will receive a notification from our office uh, advising them to please complete their electronic questionnaire for investigative processing, which is known as EQIP, uh, more commonly known. And uh, we will also ask them to fill out uh, fingerprint cards and then submit what we label here as a security packet to our office. Um, it entails, again, the EQIP and other forms, your, your fingerprints and such. Um, once that is complete and the individual went online and completed their EQIP and sent us their fingerprint cards, 
uh, a federal security specialist will then run the individual's criminal history, run their financial history, and run some other preliminary check repositories that we're required to do to ensure that uh, we, we make the best decision we can. Um, this is also the first step in the process where an individual is going to be have it will have a decision um, made on their their uh, employment. Um, if it is favorable and there are no issues uh, during the criminal history or the financial uh, or the review of forms, uh, citizenship, then we will notify the Office of Human Capital and or the Corps that the individual has been approved. If we do find issues, then we're going to reach out to the individuals and we're going to afford them the opportunity to address and to mitigate any information that we have uncovered. Um, again, this is a preliminary decision. It's, uh, it's not meant to be the final suitability or security, but as an agency, we found that making these risk-based decisions and allowing individuals to start working a little sooner, we uh, started to get more employees and rather than lose them to other federal agencies or other contractors. Um, one other highlight I do want to make is that if uh, so the audience is uh, either a criminal investigator or a deportation officer. Uh, at the entry level, uh, we do now have a polygraph program. So that will be incorporated into this if you are selected to, to take a polygraph. Um, and then as well, uh, this is a one part of the pre-employment process. Uh, the Office of Human Capital are the ones who actually set the entry on duty date. So while we are one part of it, there's other parts that you have to clear. Great. Now that our listeners know what to expect in the beginning, let's talk about the personal security investigation. Who's responsible for scheduling it, and what can ICE applicants expect when being interviewed by an investigator? Sure. So we have here at ICE what is known as delegated authority. What that means is we have the ability to conduct our own background investigations. We do not have to utilize, uh, used to be formerly OPM, now is the National Background Investigation Bureau. And so uh, we have vendors that perform the background investigations on our behalf. Uh, our program does actually schedule the investigations with one of our vendors, and our vendors are located all throughout the country. Uh, they have investigators uh, in, in all states. Um, so uh, we then will schedule that background investigation with one of our vendors. They will then reach out and contact the individual um, and identify who they are with. They will also identify that it is being conducted on behalf of our agency so that the individual knows that it is legitimate. Um, once the, the individual reaches out to them, uh, they will set up what is called a subject interview. And that's where the background investigator will see, see you uh, in person. They'll go over all of your forms. They'll go over anything that has been uncovered, uh, anything, uh, whether it's through reference checks, uh, through your employment, through um, whether it's uh, also through your criminal history, your financial. Um, they're going to go into pretty a deep dive of, of your life. Um, but it is uh, to ensure, again, the integrity uh, and efficiency of the agency. So uh, the people know their lives better than anybody. Uh, this is also their opportunity to, to ensure that if they made any mistakes or, or errors on their forms, they have the opportunity to also provide updates to the background investigator uh, to make sure that they can, they advise them rather than it being uncovered down the road in, in a part of our checks. Um, as well, uh, for the audience, they need to let any of their references that they put on the, the forms know that they do have the potential to be uh, also called and, and, and spoken to. Um, so, uh, in previous employers, uh, education, if you list education as well, uh, and if it was a requirement for the position, we're going to also validate that you do have that diploma. 
Um, so really anything that they can think of in their lives, they need to contact people that they've put on there and make sure that they let them know um, to be aware that they could be contacted. Um, the final thing that I want to say about this is that uh, we, we make sure that uh, we demand our background investigators to be professional. So what I want uh, the audience to know is that if any time during a, a background investigation that they feel that the investigator is not being professional, then they need to reach out to us and they need to let us know. Um, and I have a website for them that they can, uh, or actually it's not a website, I have an email for them. Um, and it is opr.psu-core at ice.dhs.gov. And uh, what, what they can do is just report any, any misconduct they feel that has occurred and then we're gonna get in contact with them and we're gonna resolve that um, so that we ensure that this is a professional process because we want them comfortable. Uh, we know that this is uh, opening up their lives and so we wanna make this as, as painless as we can. Great, and just one more time for those listening, that email address is opr.psu-cor at ice.dhs.gov. So as you've described, this is a very detailed process to ensure every federal applicant is found suitable for employment with ICE. Once all the information is gathered, please explain to our listeners how it's determined whether an applicant is suitable to work at this agency. Sure, so this is uh, the stage where uh, an individual has had their background investigation fully completed. Um, we have all of the criminal histories, all the financial histories, anything that we need to make our final suitability determination. And so many times the individual is already on board uh, at this phase, um, depending. Uh, there are some that are not on board, but many people are already on board. And so what will happen is a federal security specialist will review and analyze the entire life history of that individual. Uh, they're looking to make sure at the time of when they did EOD that they were honest and they did, did provide accurate information to our entry on duty federal personnel security specialists. Um, and as well, they're looking for any new issues that could have come up from references, employment, or whatnot during the process. Um, they're also looking at the what we call the suitability factors. And some of those factors, I'm not gonna go through them all because uh, there are a, a lot of them, but uh, anybody can find them online if they will just uh, Google 5 CFR 731. Uh, they are out there. Uh, but what we're looking for is misconduct, negligence, and employment, criminal or dishonest conduct, material falsification, alcohol abuse, and, and things like illegal use of narcotics. Um, and during that time, we're also looking for uh, what are called um, mitigators um, or additional considerations, which um, could be the nature of the position that the person applied for will determine if that issue is serious. The, the uh, circumstances surrounding the issue that they have, the recency of that conduct, and then as well also the age of the individual. And as the adjudicator is, is uh, making the, or analyzing the information, they're utilizing what is called the whole person concept and what that means is we don't take one isolated incident um, and, and make that the person's life. We're gonna actually analyze and see what, why did it occur, when did it occur, were there circumstances you know, that, that, that actually resulted in the person uh, having the issue. And then we're gonna base that off of the actual position they're applying for. And uh, we're gonna make sure that there is no nexus, which uh, a connection uh, to the duties that they're gonna be doing. And, um, uh, for example, uh, an individual uh, uses marijuana when they're 16. They're now 25. They've had no use since that time. 
uh, we're not going to probably find them unsuitable uh, for a position because there's been time that has gone by, you know, from that and they've shown they're not going to repeat that conduct. Um, but it doesn't mean uh, that one isolated incident will not impact your, your career. Um, for instance, if you are a transportation specialist with an ERO and you get a DUI uh, within the last uh, several years, um, that's a problem and we're probably going to find you unsuitable for that position. But we don't have automatic disqualifiers, so every person is looked at via, uh, via this uh, whole person concept. And does every ICE employee have a security clearance and is this a separate process? So no, every person at ICE does not have a security clearance as every position um, as ICE does not require one. And actually this is a, a something we get asked all the time uh, or get told all the time as well, is that uh, because people believe that they were cleared by security that of course they have a security clearance. And that is not the case actually. Um, what is for an individual to have an actual security clearance, meaning they have access to confidential, secret, top secret, or special sensitive programs, um, their position actually dictates you know, whether or not they are going to have a national security clearance. And some positions are automatic, um, criminal investigators, uh, yeah, deportation officers, OPLA attorneys, um, intel uh, analysts are all mandatory uh, clearance holders, and then others as well, but those are the main ones that we uh, automatically uh, go ahead and, and make our determination. Um, and while suitability, uh, as should this person be employed with ICE uh, in, the, in the position, the, uh, the actual security determination is actually asking, should this person be eligible to occupy a national security position and should we give them access to classified information? It is a very different standard. Um, when it comes to security, we are basically looking at the, the interests of national security over anything else. Um, that has to take precedent versus what may have happened in the person's life which caused it. If we believe that there's a risk to national security, then we will have to, to make a denial or a revocation in that process. Um, the factors are different. The, uh, they are called guidelines, uh, and it's a different governing authority. It is Executive Order 12968, which governs national security. That also can be Googled, and you can find all of the security guidelines as well. There's 13 of them. Um, and I won't go over again all of them. Um, I'll highlight some that are different uh, between, uh, the, uh, between security and suitability. Here in security, you're going to find the allegiance to the United States. You're going to find the foreign influence, foreign preference issues. Now we have psychological conditions that have to be brought into consideration. Uh, have you ever handled uh, classified information in the past and had a security incident? And uh, are you abusing IT uh, technology systems? Those are different than uh, suitability. In suitability, we don't look at foreign preference or whether you have property overseas or, or family members overseas that you're going to inherit money from if they pass away. Security, we do. Uh, so they are very different. Um, however, uh, for the applicants, you know, they're on the audience, um, we want to make sure you understand we're not, we're not going through two separate processes at different times. Uh, if you are a criminal investigator applicant or a DO or any of those positions that require the clearance, we're going to make those determinations at the same time that we're doing suitability. So the, the personnel security specialist is looking at both standards as you're going through concurrently in the process and we'll make one decision at the end. All ICE employees and contractors who currently work for ICE have successfully gone through this personnel security process, but unfortunately it doesn't work out for everyone. 
what are some of the things that might result in an applicant being found unsuitable or denied a security clearance needed to become an ICE employee? So the number one issue that, that I have found over my 25 plus years of doing this is financial issues. Uh, uh, whether it's failure to pay um, your credit card debt or failure to pay student loans, um, bankruptcies, tax liens, um, child support payments. Financial uh, issues always seem to be the one that people have the most difficulty with. Um, and then criminal conduct, uh, of course, is another major issue for a law enforcement agency. Um, and then dishonest conduct, as I mentioned earlier, when individuals fill out their forms, we, we take it very serious uh, when individuals try and circumvent the process by not telling us the truth up front. And then later down the process, we find issues that they should have advised us on. Um, that's a major issue for a law enforcement agency when we're protecting the integrity, um, and as well, so are they. Um, then also misconduct employment is another issue. Uh, individuals coming to us from other federal agencies or um, state uh, agencies or even the private sector, uh, we want to make sure that they have a history of, of quality employment. And then, uh, of course, uh, we are uh, Immigration and Customs Enforcement, so we do make sure that the status of current family members um, are uh, at an acceptable um, status for, for us because we don't want to violate the mission of this agency by, by allowing individuals to come on who currently aren't even meeting the, the laws of the land. Um, and I, I will say, you know, when personnel um, do not put information on their forms, um, I always uh, get uh, told at the, during the subject interview at times that, uh, well, I didn't think that you would find that information. And I always find that kind of, kind of funny um, because we are a law enforcement agency and so uh, we have access to pretty much any database check that I want to find. Um, and so uh, as well now the polygraph. So I always want to tell people honesty up front is the number one thing you can do. Uh, let us determine whether or not that issue is, is going to be an issue or not. Um, and I promise you, you're going to be given the opportunity to mitigate anything that we find. So let the, let the process play out versus trying to circumvent it and, and get around it. And one of the most important questions applicants want to know is how long does the personnel security process take? And that's a great question. Um, I wish I had a, a one-size-fits-all answer for that. Unfortunately, every person is different. Uh, every case is different. Uh, every person's life is different. Um, however, um, during the initial process, uh, which is EOD, the entry on duty process, we talked about at the beginning, our goal, if the individual will submit a complete and accurate packet and doesn't have any issues, our goal is to make that determination in 10 days. Uh, and, and FY18, uh, fiscal year 18, we did that 94% of the time. So uh, that goes to, to say that if the individual will complete their packet and make sure that they fill it out correctly, and get it to us in a timely manner and get their fingerprint cards in, um, then we're gonna be able to, to help them by making a decision in a, in a um, quicker time frame. Um, it doesn't mean everybody, because um, usually there, there are gonna be some things that we're gonna have to resolve. Um, so for those individuals that, that we do have to reach out and we do have to obtain information, then they need to, to make sure that they provide that to us in a timely manner and they are in control of that. I, I'm, I'm not, we're not gonna sit there and, and hold their hand and walk them through sending us in you know, the information. So uh, if they want a, a job faster, then they need to respond to us in a timely manner. Mr. Schwenk, thank you for joining me on the podcast and sharing your expertise with us. 
As always, visit the ICE website at www.ice.gov and check out the Careers section to see a list of the most current job announcements. Be sure to look out for the next episode of the Careers at ICE podcast to learn more about how to start your career in law enforcement.